I'm Elena Salinas, and this is the Women in Tech Show, a show where women in tech talk about technology and career development. Today's guest is Vidya Srinivasan. Vidya is a classical singer since she was three years old and has been translating ideas into action at Microsoft as a technical program manager. She is a tech for good hacker and has won several awards hacking, including the Microsoft Global Hackathon for the past two years. We had some interesting conversations about hackathon projects, diversity in tech, program management, career strategy, and Grace Hopper. I hope you enjoy this show. Vidya, welcome to the show. It's great to have you here today. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you so much. So when I was researching for this interview, I came across the fact that when you were just three years old, you were training um, for cl classical singing. What was that training like? Oh, Do you remember? Vaguely, I guess, but, but that, that is true. My mom was really interested in music mm -hmm. and she always wanted to pursue music. And so as soon as I could start speaking and... You know, stuff like that. She just Making like, sounds. Making sounds. She was my first teacher, actually. So I technically started training at the age of two and a half. Wow. But through from under her. And then she put me for a professional, under a professional teacher at three years of age. And um, several, several, several years later, I, I still am training. Still. Yeah, because I think music is, is once a journey which doesn't have an end. Yes. Like there's just so much to learn and so much to uh, sing. Mm -hmm. So I'm still I'm still learning too, yeah. But uh, that has in um, helped me a lot as I like think about it, like think about how my music uh, has helped me in my career and life and otherwise, right? Like mm -hmm. I think one, it gives you a very strong sense of purpose. Yes, singing is like my happy place. Yes, you know. So as soon as you have that artistic uh, expression, exactly. Yeah. And secondly, uh, because I've been exposed to uh, live shows and performing and Uh, from a very young age, I don't have stage fright at all. Mm -hmm. So that great. is really helpful now. Yes. When I have to present, you know, in front of uh, leads or, or, you know, big customers or mm -hmm. speak in front of like hundreds of people. So I don't have a stage fright at all. So it's a good exercise. It definitely for, is. Yeah. Right. And, and, and thirdly, um, I try to intersperse music as a means to draw my audience while speaking. Nice. So when I go and do uh, speak at Grace Hopper or speak at other women in tech events, I start with a song. Mm -hmm. Or you sing a song, or yeah, because before the presentation or before, as part of the presentation, before, during, like wherever you squeeze things in. Because <laughs> oh, that's very cool. Because that's a very I, I found that that's a very cool way to connect with your audience, right? Yes, because definitely, you are only talking to them for what, 30 minutes or one hour, depending upon the duration of the talk. Mm -hmm. And you have to find something personal in order to connect with them. Yes. Like, why, why should they hear to me? Yeah. You know, if they don't know me well. Yeah. And most often than not, that's the case. Like, you know, so I, I try to sing. I try to, like, bring in aspects of music in my talk just mm, to connect with great. them and stretch a chord with them and break the ice. Make, and... the, make the talk more memorable also. Yeah. yeah. And, and yeah, that is true. More, almost after every... Um, talk where I included music as part of the talk, people tweet about the song. Oh, nice. <laughs> so they were like, oh, this was very cool. I'm like, what about the talk? They were like, oh, that was also cool. <laughs> yeah, I remember both things I read. Exactly. So I, I think it, it helps. 
Mm-hmm. But personally, for me, music is is my happy place. Singing is my happy place. Yes. Right? So. And as you mentioned, you did that. Well, you're still doing it. So it's been several years. However, you also eventually got involved in technology, and you're currently now at Microsoft as a program manager. Mm-hmm. Tell me how that happened. What was there a specific point of exposure that you remember? Not really. It was very very gradual in my case. Mm-hmm. Uh, most of my thing that I do remember, though, is um, at some point when I had to decide on what my major was going mm-hmm. to be in undergraduation. Mm-hmm. Most of my extended family, uh, my cousins, most of whom were also guys. Oh, okay. They all they all took engineering, like and computer science. Okay. Um, you know, electrical and computer science. Yes. So and they were all pretty successful. I was the youngest in the family, mm-hmm. so they were all pretty successful. They got really good jobs, and you know, so I was like a part of me was really inquisitive to Curious. understand yeah, why? Like, what, what's what, going what on that? in that field so that was I thought okay fine why not take a couple of courses you know let's see how this goes yeah. and, and I really liked it yeah. and I found that I was good at it yes. so I was like okay let me let me try this so that's how it happened it was very gradual there was not just this one moment where I'm like okay I just woke up and I'm like I'm going to pursue computer science it's not really mm-hmm. that's know? usually what I try to recommend people because one of my roommates I was surprised that she hadn't taken a computer science course. So I'm like, you're in your freshman year. Just take computer science 101 for non-majors, you know, totally. to rule it out or to not rule it out. I, th- but, I think that's a great way to start. Because yeah. you, you, you won't know what is in it until you try it. Yeah. And you got to try somewhere. Yes, right? definitely. And as I mentioned before, you're a program manager in Microsoft. Um, in your opinion and your experience... What are some of the essential qualities of a program manager? Program manager or product manager, you know, mm-hmm. these two terms are used pretty interchangeably in the industry, I would say. Yes. Uh, but they're basically, you're basically, as a PM, a link between abstract concepts and delivered solutions. Mm-hmm. So you are the person who turns, I like to say, ideas into action, mm-hmm. you know. So there are a lot of things, a lot of, you know, essential qualities, but top of mind things are you got to be technically very strong, because mm-hmm. you are the person defining and designing the product and you better know what this, you know, what is technology powering that product, right? Mm-hmm. So that is one. And um, customer empathy or customer obsession is one of the core skills, according to me. Because, customer empathy. Mm-hmm, and, and as our CEO likes to call customer obsession, right? Because you mm-hmm. are, as a PM, you are the in-house advocate for millions of customers worldwide. So, you know, having a really strong customer empathy you know, makes you design products that are very inclusive in nature, which is very quintessential. Mm-hmm. In addition to that, leadership skills, because yes. you are a person as a PM, more often than not, you will be thinking about what is the next thing that the team should be working on for this particular product, even before anybody else is thinking about. So you want to make sure that you have very good leadership skills to go and pitch that product and influence that product and get the team's buy-in before you start working on it, right? Definitely. And communication skills come hand in hand with that, you know, because I don't think any PM would work in isolation, any team for that matter, yeah. right? In this, in this, there's, there's hardly very few people who work in isolation these days. So um, you will be collaborating with several people. Engineers, yeah, customers. Right, marketing, sales, you know, uh, data scientists. 
and and sometimes they might be in the same building sometimes they might be across the world mm-hmm. so you want to make sure that you are able to collaborate at different levels and take into consideration everyone exactly from the pipeline right so yeah. collaboration communication skills they go hand in hand and uh, i think as a pm you also need to have a drive for results mm-hmm. because there would be so many obstacles in a product mm-hmm. um what are some examples of those obstacles um something it could be something as simple as technical limitations yes right that's why having a technical background is very important exactly. because you might envision something but the technology is not there right. just yet and and or or other things like staffing you know you 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 thought you had five people but in the oh, project yes. three people left oh, things like yes. that happen yes right so uh and and also you know small glitches in day in day out activities mm-hmm. you know you're not able to meet the cycle you are one day um away from shipping and you hit a major bug mm-hmm. what do you do you know so you have to be very quick at decision making and and always keep the drive for results in your mind because at the end of the day you want to deliver an experience that is going to help positively mm-hmm. you know impact all of your customers yeah so there's some of the qualities that i can think of at this moment mm-hmm. yeah one one of the points that you mentioned that really resonated with me was the empathy for the customers mm-hmm. and this is when having a diverse team really comes into play because i don't know if you saw this on the news a few years back when apple released the health app mm-hmm. a lot of people were questioning why can't i track my period there ah and so i i don't know but i want to say there was maybe not a woman in that team no, that, that developed this app but that that makes ha- sense to me <laughs> having diverse teams and empathy yeah yeah no absolutely that makes a lot of sense to me now that you mentioned i did not read this before but yes. now that you mentioned now it's been added that, that's wonderful yes exactly <laughs> that, the feedback has been taken yes and, yes you know? but to avoid these things you know consider everyone yep. really yep. think about your users yep. cool and when you first joined microsoft what were you working on what what area what products um i uh, my first job at microsoft was a pm intern Oh nice. That's a very interesting experience in itself, but mm-hmm. um so I came as a PM intern during my grad school. Mhm. And uh, the first team that I worked on was SharePoint content management, so I was working on hardcore uh enterprise content management features in SharePoint. Mhm. Uh I was also working on uh the new media experience, so how do you embed videos in SharePoint? How do you uh um uh, come up with a rich authoring experience for your sharepoint pages and all of mm-hmm. that and over the course of the years i came back as an i mean i came back as full time employee mm-hmm. because i was offered a full time job after my internship mm-hmm. and over the course of the years i worked on several services across office 65 i would say mm-hmm. uh they include yammer after yammer was just acquired by microsoft yes. that was really fun and i also worked on this service called office groups mm-hmm. which is also out there Uh, we shipped it probably like a year and a half or two years ago. Mm-hmm. And what just, is Office Groups? Office Groups is a cross um, workload, I would say. So it it it, it spans just uh, it it spans much more than just SharePoint. Mm-hmm. Uh, so basically, take a take a scenario, right? You are working with ten uh, other people in in different parts of the world, mm-hmm. and you just want to spin something really quick so that you guys can collaborate. Okay. So today what do you do? You create an alias or a distribution group so to and add everybody in there. Yeah. 
and then you have to go and create a document library or some place to go and store all your files. Mm -hmm. And then you probably have to come up with some form of a planner or something similar to that to track all of your tasks and day in day out work items and all of that. Mm -hmm. So you basically what you do is when you collaborate, you spin a bunch of different workloads across different services, depending upon your expertise and experience mm -hmm. and start collaborating. So groups basically tackles this problem. So, so when you when you all you want to do is you want to create one group and we will automatically go and provision all these different things for you mm -hmm. and have everything ready for you in 365 in Office 365. Mm -hmm. So we create a mailbox for you, we create a document library for you, we create a planner for the teams for 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 whatever group it is that you want to collaborate with. Oh, okay. And the group can be public or private. And the group uh, can have certain capabilities depending upon what your, your requirements are. Mm -hmm. So, but it, it solves the fundamental problem that, hey, you as a user should not be worrying about going and provisioning all these different things. Mm -hmm. You just worry on the task and like you just worry on getting things done. Yes. We definitely. will go and provision everything for you. So, to, to increase the productivity, mm -hmm. make it better. Exactly. Cool. So, and the recent thing that we just shipped like a week ago, was mm -hmm. this new experience called SharePoint Home, which mm -hmm. is like, uh, which we would like to call it as the gateway of, for all things SharePoint, but mm -hmm. it's basically a rich uh, machine, intelligent uh, machine learning experience powered by Office Graph to help oh. people uh, bring their work to them mm -hmm. instead of they having to go and find their work in SharePoint. Mm -hmm. So we are, we, are, we are extremely proud of that experience because, and it's brand new, we just shipped it, yeah. so... Is Office Graph the machine learning provider or? Office Graph is the underlying graph technology that oh, is okay. used by several services in oh, 365, including Delve and now SharePoint Home oh, and the okay. SharePoint app yeah. and all of that. And yeah. SharePoint's pretty big. It has millions of millions of users. I don't know the exact number, but I know it's pretty big. Oh, it is really big. Yeah. 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 That's very cool. And when you first started your job or while you were in your first few years, mm -hmm. Were you only focused on your specific tasks and showing up, doing what's on your plate, or were you doing other things on the side? Or? I was never. I think I was never like that. I, was, okay. I don't know if it's good or bad, but um, no. When I came back as a full-time employee, I I was told by a lot of people mm -hmm. that hey, your first few years are the most important years in your in your life. You know, in, in your, your career. career, like with, with dramatic music behind. I've know? definitely heard that. Right? Yes. Because you got, you got to make sure that you you uh, bring your best face to work every day. And because that's people are constantly evaluating you. Like I got all these scary yes. uh, advice, you know. So I was, for the first few months, I, def I was doing that. I used to come to work super early, go super late. You know, just my, my goal was to learn everything about SharePoint and I now realize that, you know, three and a half years in, I'm like, that's not a thing. You, you cannot become the expert of everything yes. in, in, you know, in a short time because the service is just so big. Yeah. It's, it's just massive. Right? This and is when you leverage with other people, talking to them. Exactly. It might be faster than you and driving I'm, by yourself trying yeah. to learn everything. And, and you got to make the trade-off between the breadth-first and the depth-first approach of learning sometimes. Mm -hmm. right? So I, I, I started focusing on that solely on work for a few months. And then I, at some point, I was just very depressed because I was not doing all the other things that I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. right? So I wanted to sing. And I was fairly new to Seattle. And I, I probably had like one or two friends, that's all, mm -hmm. because I came from the East Coast. Um 
So that's when I reached out to like the Indian communities over here and other mm-hmm. music enthusiasts at Microsoft mm-hmm. saying, hey, is, are there like any groups that we can jam together? Mm-hmm. And I basically started networking with other people, you know, and, and after some time, then I got in touch with a couple of people at the Grace Hopper, at the Anita Borg Institute, and that's how I got involved in Grace Hopper. Mm, and we'll talk about that in a few minutes. Yes, and, and eventually one thing led to another, and then I started hacking. So... I think, and we'll talk about hacking. Yes. So mm-hmm. the, the journey was very gradual, but I don't say, I don't advise any anybody who is studying new that the first few years are the most important. You know, every day is important if you want to mm-hmm. have a good, successful career. Yeah. And if you are passionate about something, you should absolutely continue doing that. Mm-hmm. Career will come along. Like you will, you will, if you're truly passionate, you will absolutely figure out a way mm-hmm. to balance everything that you want to do. Yeah. Or like you even said, music helps you with their job also it's like a superpower basically totally. you can have better presentations more engaging T- totally so one right? thing is not completely separate from now, the other I, I don't think any two things for that matter are so siloed these days mm-hmm. because you can always leverage from the experience that you get in doing you know one thing and the other thing that you want to do mm-hmm. definitely so since we touched on um, hackathons a little bit I mm-hmm. wanted to bring it up mm-hmm. and I noticed you've been actively involved with them and in your first was it your first hackathon the one that you won back that, in 2014 or that was the first Microsoft wide one week hackathon oh, that was conducted okay. but I've been hacking since grad school oh okay but th- they were very minor projects compared mm-hmm. to the one we did in 2014 with mm-hmm. with the Microsoft wide hackathon but what um, kind of projects were you hacking in college uh, those were mostly um, design projects, I would say, like mm-hmm. making sure that um, like I was hacking uh, with Wikimedia, which is basically making sure that the uh, Wikimedia site was good, mm-hmm. you know, and accessible. That was one. And when I was working in the Yammer team, uh, I worked on a couple of uh, fun hacks, uh, one of which was controlling Yammer through a voice plugin because text input is so outdated mm-hmm. you know so that you can just you can just say hey yammer and then that thing will ask you it's very similar to siri or oh, okay. cortana. You know, cortana but for yammer and that was one and the other thing also which was also for fun was i like to hear music and work mm-hmm. uh, so i'm like why not just you know and i was still working with yammer then so i'm like why not just integrate both of those mm-hmm. so whenever you work on yammer or do something mm-hmm. uh there's just a song playing and when you do an action when you post something, for example, the music changes. Oh, it just nice. circles through a really massive playlist. So fun stuff like that. You know? Does it get more dramatic when you need a deadline? <laughs> exactly. That would be cool if it's yeah, able to like, suspense. you know, if, it's, if you're able to like hook in, I don't know, sentiment analysis with, yeah. you know, with music and change the music. That would be fantastic. Yeah. But these are all fun hacks that we did. Mm-hmm. But I think this is what like got me interested in hackathons in general. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the, the idea of doing something that you wouldn't normally do. Mm-hmm. In a very short span of time. What's the span of time typically? These were all 24 hours. Oh, okay. 24 hours. Some yeah. are two days, right? Some are two days. So one week hackathons that yeah. Microsoft uh, holds are all 48 hours. Mm-hmm. But these were all like some of the projects that got me interested in hackathons mm-hmm. and, the, and the thrill of going and demoing and then the competitive spirit to an extent, I would say. Mm-hmm. So and so the, when Microsoft came up with the idea of having a company-wide hackathon, mm-hmm. I was obviously like, yeah, I want to, I want to participate. I want to see was, what this is in. That was actually the first year, right? Two thousand fourteen. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. This is, this is the third year, correct? Okay. So for that, I I just was looking at the list of projects, and I was also um, 
interested in going and working on something that I don't do normally. Mm-hmm. Because in the past, when I was working with the Yammer team, I was going and hacking on yes. all things Yammer or yeah. stuff like that. So Which is time, typically what people advise you. You work on Word, do a hackathon project on Word. Or... Mm-hmm. So I, I this, so when Microsoft came up with the hackathon idea in 2014, I wanted to go and work on something that is completely different mm-hmm. than what I normally am used to doing. Mm-hmm. So that's how I got in touch with the leads of the MLTI Gaze project, mm-hmm. saying, hey, this is what I have to offer, and I'm really interested in helping. What was that project? That, when, when I joined, there was no project mm-hmm. definition. What, what, <laughs> I was, eventually, I was, what was it? Eventually, correct. So when Because I joined, you won, so yeah. that <laughs> must so, have been a very good project. It, it was a fantastic project. I mean, it, it still is. Uh, so... Uh, the project in a nutshell is um, using iGaze technology mm-hmm. to help people with ALS or any neurodegenerative disease for that matter mm-hmm. to control uh, things. Mm-hmm. And things over here could be a wheelchair. Things over here could be uh, predictive texting, which enhances, you know, their ability to type faster. Or Typing could, text? Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, or it could be controlling your, powering your surface on or off or... You know, mm-hmm. so I say things very broadly over here, but the but specifically for the hackathon, we focused on uh, ability to steer the wheelchair using your eye gaze. Mm-hmm. Because if you are a person with ALS and you do not have movement in your arms, yeah. you are pretty much dependent on another human being to move you from place A to place B, mm-hmm. and that can be pretty restrictive mm-hmm. because everybody wants to be independent. Yes, right. Or especially if you were independent before, before and then you're diagnosed exactly you right? cannot move muscles at all right you you, you can move nothing but your but it your mind is still there your mind is very active yeah. and ALS has several stages obviously but I'm talking about uh, the advanced stage where you oh. can move nothing but your uh, eyes yes so what does it mean by eye gaze as an input and you know there are some technologies available mm-hmm. for eye gaze tracking but we specifically focused on Uh, steering the wheelchair using your eyes. Mm-hmm. So I was probably like the third or the fourth person to join the hack team. And it's it's been a, such an amazing journey from then on. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and we never expected to win. Like winning was, it, it was it was a nice to it have, was, uh, but yeah. but not, uh, nothing that we expected because it was just a massive hackathon. It had like thousands of projects and, mm-hmm. um, you know. All were just, pretty good, yeah. They were all pretty good. Like good. I'm always amazed at the outcomes of these hackathons because it's it, it blows my mind. Yeah. Right. In two days. Exactly. Yeah. Those were all 48 hours. But it's been amazing because um, uh, the, the for us, what we had in mind was the more we learned about ALS, like I did not know anything about ALS when I joined the hack team. Mm-hmm. But as a part of this, and that's one of the reasons I love hackathons, because you get to learn so much about things that you're not usually used to, you know, mm-hmm. usually know about. Yeah. So I learned so much about ALS and, and you interact with real people like real customers, mm-hmm. real people with ALS. And and the more you start interacting with them and learning about them and understanding their state and their requirements, mm-hmm. that's when the whole uh, customer empathy kicks in. I yes, say, right? exactly. That's Because what I was thinking. For, for us, everybody on the team, like we were, we were a team that comprised of people from all across Microsoft, I would say. Mm-hmm. And everybody had just this one thing in common, which is, hey, we want to make this person, like our, our yes. user, move. Yes. You know, steer their own wheelchair. Like, that's all we want to do. Like, winning was, like, a nice to have. Yeah. But, But the main focus was solving the problem. Because at one point, I think you just you just obsess over that, that customer so yeah. much because it's, it's, a real, it's a real thing. 
And you're seeing the progress and everything. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. Right. So these things, are, I think, are the more important part of hackathon than uh, focusing on the price. The, the, the price. Or, yeah. Pick okay. a problem that interests you. Yeah. That's different than what you work on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. Stick with it and make progress. Yeah. It, yeah. it can be anything. It can be something as it it, it can even it, it can be. The thing that you're working on on a daily basis too, but if that thing is really bugging you, mm -hmm. and if you know that fixing that small thing is going to help somebody, mm -hmm. you know, then you should absolutely go do it. I think yes. that is the spirit of hackathons, right? Yes. Yeah. And for for this project, what kind of technologies were you using? Um, an overview: we were using um, to some some form of eye gaze. Mm -hmm tracking device. There are several of them out in the market. We were using one of those. Mm -hmm. And we were also using... Was it the Microsoft products or... No. The, the, like uh, the IGS tracking device itself was not Microsoft specific. Mm -hmm. Like Kinect or something. So we were also using Kinect mm -hmm. um, to... That was as part of our initial prototypes, mm -hmm. you know, for, for obstacle sensing and obstacle detection, obstacle avoidance and all of that. Mm -hmm. And we were using Surface, obviously, Surface. because Surface was the... Um, Portable. Yeah. Surface was the device that we were putting on the wheelchair to mm -hmm. you know, communicate with the wheelchair. Yeah. Was that was also for typing, right? The keyboard was obviously. You can use the any surface. interface, like any device for that matter. We were just going with Surface. Mm -hmm. Makes sense. So, what drew you to participate in hackathons was the ability to learn something, or uh, no, definitely. Where, the ability to learn something completely new and, and the possibility of building something so amazing in 24 to 48 hours, mm -hmm. that's not something that you get to do often. Yes. Um, you know, and, and the, there's, there's just like so much positive energy mm -hmm. You're at hackathons, at least the ones I've been, I've been at. Yes. Because there's the, the spirit of uh, building and the spirit of teamwork, it, it draws me in again and again. And it, how, how does your workflow differ from the hackathon that on a daily basis. Is it different at all? It's, it is different, but I would say it's also not that different because mm -hmm. you still have to do all the things that you would do for shipping a regular product or software. Mm -hmm. You still have to come up with a plan. You cannot just randomly show up and say, okay, I'm just going to build something random. No, mm -hmm. uh, unless you are the only person working on that project, right? Uh, most of the projects that I worked on, we were a team. So you obviously have to think through what what is the problem statement? Like what is the problem you're trying to solve? And then, break that down into smaller pieces, you know, so that every person has something tangible to go hack. Um, so it's not that different than what you would do normally, mm -hmm. but everything is like super optimized and compressed mm -hmm. because the time is compressed, mm -hmm. you know. So we usually do the planning part a few days before the hackathon, mm -hmm. uh, just so that we are able to completely focus and just code Mm -hmm. and get things done in those 28 to 48 hours. Make sure everyone's on the same page. Mm -hmm. Okay. And the other thing that I also found, which helped us a lot in the past two years during these big Microsoft-wide hackathons, where mm -hmm. um, having a team uh, of very diverse people, and when I yes. say diverse, I mean diverse in all aspects. So one would be you cannot just have a team of just software developers or just problem managers. No. In our team, we've yes. had people who are video producers, video experts. Oh, Because nice. the deliverable that you have to submit sometimes is a three-minute video. Mm. And we have people yeah. who are uh, marketing experts because they come up with the best possible ways to market and get more Tell votes the story. for your hack. 
right? Yeah. And we have storytellers and content editors, content writers, because they are just amazing at writing and, and coming up with the best script for the video. Mm-hmm. And of course, you want to have people who are technically strong in that particular area. But mm-hmm. So that's why we need to do like some, some, some part of planning before mm-hmm. so that you understand what is the problem space, uh, what am I going to be doing? And of course, you have to come up with the right design mm-hmm. if it has you know, UX, UI components. And uh, once you identify the technology, then you want to go have those experts in your team. Mm-hmm. So if you're working on, I don't know, uh, iOS app, then you want to make sure that you have those, you know, mm-hmm. um, people with the right skills. Mm-hmm. Or in just one app, you want to make sure that you have people with those right skills in your team and all of that. Do they recommend that in, um, when signing up for a hackathon? Like you might want to have somebody from marketing or... Or is it they do? They they now they do, they, have... do, they do recommend that hey have a team that is as diverse as possible because mm-hmm. like I said right this is not that different when compared to shipping a real product. Yes. Like when you ship a real product, you want to make sure that you have a team that actually comprises of all these people. You have data scientists to make sure that you're tracking and logging the right things, and mm-hmm. you know, you you have designers, you have developers, you have researchers, you have program managers. Mm-hmm. So ideally, a hackathon is literally that, but just in a very compressed format. Yeah. So we have found that in the past, based on our experience, having a diverse team with several of these people in has really helped, mm-hmm. you know? And it also opens up a lot of, like a lot more perspectives that you never expected before. Mm-hmm. Like when you have these brainstorming meetings, it's amazing to see the thought process of some of these people because their thinking is, sometimes very different than yours because you are, you know, like it or not, you always think about technology because you are from a technical background, mm-hmm. right? Like when you come and tell, can you do this? Even before I start thinking about it, a part of my mind is already thinking about, oh, but how would I do that? What algorithms would I be using? Like what technology mm-hmm. would I be using? But, you know, sometimes the thought process of some people who are, uh, I wouldn't say distant, but who view technology from a different perspective is different. Yes, definitely. One thing that I also think about is, how this helps in career development because when you're at big companies, a lot of the times you are in a big team. So here in the hackathon, it can be just, oh, there's two people from marketing and like, this is what I came up with. Marketing concept and then definitely you can leverage that during work and say, I can take on responsibility for this. I have a track record of, you know, winning hackathons and prototyping things. No, so. Absolutely. I, I have, a, in fact, my own friend from my hackathon team for the past two years, mm-hmm. she was a software tester, mm-hmm. but she was um, co-PMing. She wanted to try out her PM oh, muscles in the yes. hackathon and she That's did a pretty a good way. job. And she actually, is, she, she switched her like role and she's now a PM. That's a great way to try. Exactly. To try. Right? So it's, it's, it's a nice um, non-threatening yeah. way to go and get your hands dirty in something mm-hmm. new that you haven't done before. Yeah. yeah. The opposite also, if you're a PM and want to try out dev and yeah. you've done it in your free time, you can put those skills Absolutely. in the hackathon. Yeah. Very interesting. So let's move on to, we touched a little bit about this earlier, Grace Hopper. Mm-hmm. For those that don't know what Grace Hopper is, and I've been surprised, but I've come across you know other people that are like, oh, what's Grace Hopper? or the Anita Borg Institute. Mm-hmm. How would you describe it? Grace Hopper is the largest gathering of women technologists. Mm-hmm. So it's the biggest women in tech conference. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's gone from a few hundred mm-hmm. to 
several thousands, I would say. Yeah, I think this year is 15,000 yeah. in Houston. In Houston, yes. correct. So it mostly happens during the month of October. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have been a part of the Grace Hopper family for the past four years. So mm-hmm. I, I know that for the past four years, it grew from 4,000 to 15,000. Mm-hmm. As an attendee for four years or? As, as an attendee for the first year, mm-hmm. as a speaker for the past three years, as a member of the conference leadership committee also for the past three years. Mm, okay. So this is my yeah fourth year in the conference leadership committee. So in the second year, you were a speaker? Yeah, I went, I went the first year. What did you talk about? Was, was this right... One year after you joined Microsoft? Or? Yeah, the first year I went to Grace Hopper was the year I joined Microsoft. Um, and the second year you gave a talk. Correct, yeah. I, I wow. went there the first year because I, I've always wanted to go to the conference. Yes. Uh, I just couldn't find a way to go when mm-hmm. I was in grad school. So yeah. when I joined Microsoft, my manager was kind enough to like, you know, send me mm-hmm. to the conference. So I, I volunteered as a note taker mm-hmm. in the first year mm-hmm. okay. to, just to see what that's like. Yeah. You know, so um, when I did that, and I attended a few talks, and I, 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 I found that really, really inspiring, I would say. Mm-hmm. And I think one year, or a few months into my job, I was looking for opportunities to build my self-confidence. Yes. And I was told by uh, quite a few of my mentors to try out Toastmasters, which is essentially public speaking. Yes. Did you try it? I, di- I didn't try Toastmasters, okay. although I, I, I was... Really, like, I, I really want to try, but I I've been meaning go. to try it myself. But yeah. I just, uh, but I, I like the idea of public speaking. Yes, as a great way to uh, build your confidence. Like that's mm-hmm. where it started. Yeah. Uh, so next year, I was like, okay, I'm going to apply a proposal um, to go and speak at Grace Hopper. So wow. I think my first year, I spoke about universal design. Really? Oh, I, I that's so. very cool. Yeah. But I usually talk about like sometimes technical and sometimes career topics mm-hmm. and I also from the next year onwards the first year was like a it was just me talking yeah but from the next year onwards I started putting together panels oh nice with four other women and the next two years I've been doing that so I mm, we spoke nice. about navigating up from rejection and what are the challenges in a global workspace mm-hmm. so um, I like the idea of putting together bringing, bringing women across you know, from, from different parts of the industry and then, like, putting together a panel. It's mm-hmm. something similar to what you're doing, right? You're meeting different people and yes, trying to talk about things that are that are interesting. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah one, one thing that's, that's surprising, surprising is because typically, you know, go to Grace Hopper or go to another conference and I'm like, oh, this person has been the speaker. They've been 15 years in the industry. Like, 15 years, I'm going to get to give a talk. But mm-hmm. no... It's possible to no. get started in oh, early on in your career. Absolutely. You know, there's I think, nothing. I think taking the first step is the hardest. It's, it's really the hardest because yeah. you, there's just so much self-doubt. Mm-hmm. And it's very common. Like Because you're I, in a yeah. new field. Like it's not the same as singing. Like this is more of like I enter tech, been doing it for five years. Mm-hmm. Like compared comparing to somebody that's been 20 years. There's always somebody like, might think like, what do I have to say? That's what? true everywhere. Like even even now when I get on stage to sing sometimes yeah. before like really eminent people who've been singing all their life. I'm really? Like, You've been singing all your life? <laughs> I, I, I know, right? But I'm just yes. young, much younger compared yes. to people out there. But So I think self-doubt is it it's, a, it's a thing. Yeah. It's, it's just there. It's going to be there. Or it happens always. when you're doing something new. You know? Yeah. If you're always I, singing the same songs, you're comfortable exactly. with them. You I think it's all challenge. about like it's, it's literally like when you step out of your comfort zone. Yes. You are not that comfortable. And that's a given. I think it's more about having the right mindset to accept 
that that's okay, mm-hmm. you know. So when I first, uh, you know, wrote my proposal to uh, apply for Grace Hopper, I was mm-hmm. like, why would people even come and listen to me speak? Like, yeah. what do I have to offer to them? Like, well, it turns out that everybody has something to offer. Yes. You know, everybody has a story. And that's what I tell in most of my other talks now. I'm like, hey, uh, you would, you want to attend the conference, that's great. But try to be, uh, try to get involved in some way than just attending because you learn so much more, mm-hmm. be it volunteering in any capacity. What, what are, are some, some of the things, things you've learned through volunteering? volunteering? Oh, you get to meet so many different people. That From different backgrounds. Just, exactly. I mean, it's a great way to network. Instead of just taking your visiting card and just meeting, bumping into somebody and saying, hey. Yes. Without having no context or background or whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Volunteering and working together as a team for several months together is a fantastic way to network with people. From different countries and different backgrounds. Oh, yeah. And the other thing is you you work with them for a duration of time. Mm-hmm. So your, your, your bond is much stronger. Mm-hmm. You know, like when I put together a panel, I work with my fellow panelists for almost four to five months mm-hmm. from, you know, the initial proposal drafting to the day of the talk. Mm-hmm. So in those five months, you actually form a pretty good bond. Yes. You know, that you can leverage mutually when in need. Yes. Right? So that is one. And secondly, you also learn a lot of skills that you would later you know, apply during your job. Yeah, you can totally like I, I don't see all of these things that I do as usually exclusive at all. Like mm-hmm. they're all so interdependent. Like I don't even like calling them extracurriculars because they're not. Yeah. They're so in curricular, if you want to say that. Yeah. Right. Because you, you, you know, as, as part of the co-chair this year, I got to recruit a team of 20 people from different parts of the world. And you recruited the team. Yeah. Because oh, okay. as a co-chair, you, you pick your team. Mm-hmm. So me and my fellow co-chair, who is, yeah. uh, uh, also pretty experienced. So we picked a team of 20 and, uh, you recruit them, you train them. You review proposals, you come up with the program plan. So you learn so many new skills Mm -hmm. that I would normally not have gotten a chance to. Mm -hmm. So it's not that, it's not so orthogonal. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Like they're all so interconnected. So networking is a great thing. Picking up new skills is fantastic. And at the end of the day, I think depending upon whatever your passion is, Mm -hmm. it gives you a great sort of satisfaction. Yeah. Like I am really passionate about diversity in tech. Mm -hmm. I won't say just women in tech. I'm just passionate about diversity in tech. Yeah. Right. So it, when you contribute to something that goes towards that particular goal of yours mm-hmm. or passion of yours, it just gives you a lot of satisfaction. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And James Wilker, who is a tech mm-hmm. evangelist here, oh, Microsoft, yeah. you're familiar with oh, him? He's, he's fantastic. Yeah. He has this uh, notion of career superpowers. Mm-hmm. So what you're describing are Basically, on the side, you're getting all these superpowers that mm-hmm. you'll get to use at work. Like, for example, if you're managing at Grace Hopper, you're managing people and eventually maybe you can manage people at in work. the company at yeah, work. Yeah. Or also, like, make a better interview process because, like you mentioned, you're recruiting people. Yeah. So if you're involved doing interviews, you might be able to identify Absolutely. certain things. So that's yeah. very cool. Yeah. That's, that's great advice. So the the final question for today is, what was it like performing on television shows along with musical superstars? It was scary. Really? Why? <laughs> because they're superstars. Yeah. <laughs> right? Um, no, I, I Did you get myself. used to it eventually? Or? You, no, you always get scared. I'm just kidding. <laughs> no. Okay. Um, it's, it was really good. I mean, I was performing with some of like the countries like in India back in yes, India yes yes uh, when I was in my undergraduate 
So mm-hmm. I was pursuing my my graduation and singing at the same time. So when I got these opportunities, one it is scary, like I said, because something new. Yeah, out of your comfort zone. Even though yes. you've been, I've been singing for a long time. Yes, the idea of singing, singing before somebody who has been singing, who like one of the, one of the um, superstars that I sang with has sung more than twenty thousand Indian film songs. Who is that singer? His called SP Bala Subramanian. He's mm-hmm. an Indian singer, mm-hmm. but he has uh, sung over twenty thousand or more. Indian film songs and I was nothing wow. compared to him. <laughs> so obviously you, you how many visitors. do you think you had at that time? I I just sing no. I just sang for international You students. didn't keep count. No. <laughs> <laughs> so, but he was a really powerful and and popular singer. Oh wow. So it was a great experience because one uh you well it's a very proud moment mm-hmm. singing with them and two you are uh learning something new. They give you tips. they give you amazing tips about yes. how to how to better tune in and how to how to better project your voice yeah. and stuff or like you that. might even see what they're doing yeah. you know behind the scenes yeah. you know and and behind the scenes they are so friendly mm. so it was i would i will treasure all of those memories <laughs> yeah for the rest of my life i'm sure that's awesome yeah. well this has been so much fun video likewise yes. thank you so much for really, inviting me yes thank you for coming on the show thank you so much